You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Attention, if you're an eastern whitetail hunter with dreams of hunting elk, antelope, or mule deer out west, but are overwhelmed with the knowledge gap, look no further than Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class features professionally produced courses taught by the world's leading outdoor experts and can be consumed on your phone, computer, or TV. Visit OutdoorClass.com and start the process of making your hunting dreams come true. Use discount code EMPIRE20 at checkout for 20% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast, the Ohio Outdoors Podcast. Today, we are here... Gonna get you started with a quick intro, Paul. What are you doing? You're you're traveling man again, buddy. This is this is the best week of the year. This is the kickoff to wild turkey hunting season. Turkey season kicks off this week. NWTF show in Nashville, Tennessee. I am uh, I'm in between Cincinnati and Louisville. That's where I'm at, man. Headed down to Nashville. Uh, fired up, dude. This is my this is my Super Bowl it's this ki- week. It's so. kind of like uh, you know you go past Thanksgiving. And then you're on your way to Christmas, and like every day just gets a little bit closer and a little bit more exciting. Is it kind of like yeah. that? That's it, man. You know, for for my for my turkey hunt podcast, uh, I I've been doing a time like a countdown. So Ohio, we're like seventy days away. Uh, Florida, I mean, you're like, dude, what, twenty two days, something like that. Mississippi, thirty days. It's getting here, man. It is getting here. So looking looking forward to it. Can't wait, man. Usually March 1st, I start not being able to sleep because I think about it, it constantly. But it's a little cranked up this year because I get to hunt in Florida. I mean, I'll be down there March 15th hunting turkeys. March 15th, my first day to hunt. Like uh, one month. Beside myself. One beside month. myself. Yeah. So yeah, Awesome. So well, and then, it, of course, the weather today. I mean, it's beautiful out. So. 
that adds oh, to that man. idea. 50 degrees and a cloud in the sky. I mean, just unbelievable. Good shed hunting weather. Oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of shed hunting, check out our buddy shed season. D Wayne, uh, he's got, he's got a cool thing going on, man. I, I really like that. Check out shedseason.com and they're on Instagram too. Uh, oh, geez. Dude, I almost, almost got everyone I shouldn't have. That would have been bad. Um, don't I'm re- driving don't, for those of you uh, that, that they can't tell. Yeah. And you know, I'm in a rental too. So <laughs> I definitely don't want to wreck. That's uh, anyway, what, what do we got, man? We got uh, time to go wild.com. Thanks to those guys for the support of our show. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, for, for being great friends of ours, we just got back from great American outdoor. You guys heard that episode last week. They're on their way home now um, from that show. So what a grind. Thanks for those guys. Uh, if you join log uh, sign up, man, months, you get $10 off your first order. Uh, and you get to be a part of an awesome hunting and fishing uh, member-supported community. ton of great stuff on their website. If you're getting ready for, for turkey season, check them out. If you, you know, Man, they got stuff for for deer hunters, too, right now. I mean, your your, your maintenance, uh, you know, they got some seed options and stuff. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of stuff, thousands, thousands of products on their website. Time to go wild.com. Download the app on Android or Apple. Absolutely, and, and now they've got that UTV giveaway going on. Uh, yeah, so make man. sure you get on there, yeah, check yeah. that out. Yeah, refer a friend, and they sign up. Boom, you get an entry. So check that out. That UTV is bad to the bone. And a couple of weeks ago, we had Cameron Tinker from Midwest Gunworks on the show. I think Cameron's starting to grow very annoyed with me because uh, you and I have been discussing about ordering potentially a new firearm or two, but yeah. the you know I'm. My plan right now is to go down in April to do a little hog hunting with our friend John Hudspeth and some of the other Sportsman's Empire guys uh, down in Oklahoma. So if you're going to go and make that trip, you've got to get a, a new firearm, right? And obviously there's no other place. I'm going to yeah. go go to look at uh, trying to get that figured out, and Cameron's been a great help. Um, point me in the right direction, give me options, even though I'm flipping and flopping. And not to get too personal, but... Hey, man, I started to do my little, you know, yearly dance with the government and the tax refund idea. And uh, I got into that a little bit yesterday and I don't know what happened, but um, I'm not it didn't look as good as uh, I I wanted it to. So I might have to reevaluate which gun purchase comes around this spring. But uh, whatever, we'll figure that out. Yeah, mine mine didn't look as good as I wanted it to either, man. I, you know, I, I don't owe, which is. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 a couple of years we've had some pretty hefty tax liability because I forgot to, I didn't fill out my forms right. You know, not to get too personal. And my wife does taxes. She's like, you realize you didn't pay any federal taxes? I'm like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> so that's fun. Yeah, thanks, Joe Biden. Right. right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Relax, everyone. Oh, that's all right. He's worried about the. Bike. What else? We got half our rack, half dash rack, man. I'll tell you what, months. I cannot wait for that meat lug thing to come out. Soft sided cooler. You can fit an entire deboned deer inside of this thing. That's going to be super cool. They got some neat stuff uh, for turkey hunting out there. the The Boone Sling is probably my personal favorite thing that I've gotten from their uh, from their website. Wildcat uh, soft sided bow case is pretty neat. A lot of really cool stuff uh, on half-rack.com. Check them out. You can find them on Instagram. Really neat stuff. Really cool stuff. A lot of accessories um, for the North American hunter. And also thank you to First Light for 
their support of our show and I'm sure they'll have some new stuff coming out here soon, but yeah, we're we're always excited. At least I am when it comes to that kind of stuff. Oh, so yeah. all right, quick news yeah. around the state here. Let's see, Paul. Uh we're gonna fly by the seat of our pants on this one. So ODNR has awarded uh, more than $200,000 for local boating education programs. That is very important, boat safety. So um, looks like Allen County, uh, Athens, Ashtabula, Cuyahoga, Erie, Franklin, and Perry County all getting in on some of that. So that was good. There you go. Um, keep keep an eye out. we got the uh, the Wildlife Council meeting. So those things are in full swing. A lot of... A lot of rules and regulation changes coming up for the following hunting season. So get on their website. You just search Wildlife Council on the ODNR website. You can see what's going on, what meetings are coming up, what's on the agenda of the talk. So be active about that. And if you see something you don't like, point it out to us. Maybe we'll uh, we'll dive in, see if we can get some answers. So, Or if you see something you like, you want to highlight it, let us know, and uh, and, and, and we'll, we'll dive into it. So, I mean, it's like... It's kind of in between seasons. I mean, there's really not much news. What else you got, Buns? Uh, the we're in weird territory with wet with weather right now, and I'm sure we'll see Father uh, Winter, whatever Winter time will come back. But night right now, time time to tap your maple trees if you're going to do some some maple syrup. You got your daytime temps above freezing, nighttime's below. Starts to get the the juice and that sap <laughs> juices flowing. <laughs> so that's uh something to consider tap it real nice once <laughs> tap that real nice tap 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 <laughs> real real laugh. i've had a ton of caffeine today buddy oh yes yeah, so. <sighs> i think that's all i got so what else we got i'm a shameless shameless plug how to hunt turkeys pot you got me yeah we got a delay do we have a delay is that what's going on no you're good and the internet man Okay, so shameless, shameless plug, uh, How to Hunt Turkeys podcast, uh, also on Sports and Empire, uh, is in full swing at Dave Owens. Last week, great talk with him. I got Hunter Ferrier from Spring Legion that's on. His episode is going live. Uh, actually, it'll be uh, live Tuesday, so so the day before or this drops. So, so slide on over and, and check that out, uh, Andrew. That thing is so been happy with the response there and uh shout out to my new buddy seth got to ha- had a nice conversation with him yesterday seth thanks for listening thanks for being a part of go wild thanks for being part of the o2 family man appreciate you absolutely what else we got months well today's episode this is the the one everybody wants to hear well not everybody maybe but um i was very interested so we got the chance to talk to mike tonkovich from the uh, division of wildlife kind of get the 2022-2023 deer season recap and yeah man we covered a lot with him from EHD and CWD and harvest and counties and weather and and everything in between uh the weapons that were used and different things so it's good to get back from him kind of how the year went i i feel because you know he yes he builds up for that i mean he everything he, his job is is biology and and, and managing the environment across the state, both, you know, actual environment, but more kind of the political environment and how regulations are, are being thought through and all that kind of stuff. So he's got to take that scorecard at the end of the year and then, you know, react from it and evaluate it. So yeah. this is kind of his yeah, picking sure. his brain on, on what he, he saw from this year and, 
and he's very honest with you. There's things that he's not sure about, or it doesn't matter from the state level, and it's more about the county level and all that kind of stuff. But Tonk's great, and we always appreciate his time to come on and, and, and give us his his two cents. Yep, for sure. This is a really good, really good interview. Uh, I mean, Mike Tonkovich and Clint McCoy, those are the two guys in the state that have their fingers on the pulse of the deer herd uh, and, and the hunting uh, success and, and failures in this state. I mean, this is this is a really, really important conversation. If you were a deer hunter in this state to listen to, we're going to do it every year. We're going to get a rundown, a recap of of, of really the, the overall health uh, of the deer herd here uh, in the state of Ohio. Very, very important to have. And I think, I think we had one of the good things that I really like about the state employees that we've gotten to know, Andrew, since we've been doing this for, man, almost two years at this point. Uh, if, if there's something that, that as hunters, we don't like, or we don't understand, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a relationship that we've built to where we can, we can be, I don't want to say critical, but, you know, we can question some of the things that are going on and talk or Clint McCoy really give us good, good answers. Uh, and they're, the, neither of them are afraid to dive into stuff. And we, we, we definitely dive into that uh, on this episode. This was fantastic interview. Fantastic. Yep. A lot of information. So oh, good information too. nothing crazy, you know, nothing, nothing scary, but um, important, very important interview. So, yep. So uh, we'll leave it with that short intro this week to get you to the good stuff. Paul, safe travels down there. Uh, My friend, anybody that is in Nashville, potentially for the NWTF, make sure you look for that uh, big, tall, bald guy with the beard, the handsome. Oh, yeah. Come on. Come find uh, me. Come find me. If you're looking for us, we're on Instagram, d.o2.podcast. Uh, Go Wild is the O2Podcast. What else, Paul? We've got our website is the O2Podcast.com. Feel free to reach out. We like reviews if you want to give us a review. And we will keep trying to do our best to bring you some some good content here in the upcoming weeks. It's almost turkey so time, I'm in. I'm in a little bit of traffic here, and there's some butthole in a Tesla that's tailgating me, Andrew. Should I throw my coffee at him? I got a cup of coffee. Should I, should I throw it out the window? Is that illegal? I don't know. Until you this find guy. out that butthole is is none other than Ted Boogie. <laughs> Ted Boogie. I don't know where he's at. <laughs> oh, gosh. This place. Okay. I'm right next to Kentucky Motor Speedway in case anyone uh, has been through here. You know right where I'm at. This guy's really starting to piss me off. All right. Well, you go ahead and take care of Mr. Tesla boy, uh, and then uh, we will talk to you soon. Guys, thanks for listening. Appreciate you. See you in the next episode. Take care. Today we're joined with Mike Tonkovich of the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, Division of Wildlife. Mike, how are you? How are you doing today? Great. Um, can't be bad when you got uh, what I don't know, fifty degrees, um, sunshine outside. So yeah, it's 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 a good day. As as I said before we started, you know we're uh, feverishly trying to wrap up a couple things. Season obviously is over, and we're we're trying to make sense of all the harvest data. And then um, uh, Clint's Clint's really working hard on that. And then um, I'm trying to summarize our, our CWD surveillance uh, data see, to see what um, uh, 
what we collect, what we fail to collect, you know, where some holes are in the day and, and, and things of that nature. So, um, it's a good day. Yeah. I'm happy to be here as always guys. Love, love talking with you. Um, I got to tell you a funny story. You got to get, we'll get this out of, out because it just reminded me. Um, so a couple weeks ago shopping here at, in Athens at Walmart and, um, uh, looking for a particular bread. So my wife and I have this bread that we like, right? It's in the the whole, I mean, there's one whole aisle bread, right? But my wife and I have this one particular bread that we want. So I'm looking around and I'm like, God, man, it's gone again. Cause it's, you know, it was always there, but then it, obviously people figured out that it was really good bread. So it's gone. Well, here comes the bread guy r- around the corner, right? You know, the guy that delivers the bread, he's got these big stacks of trays of bread. I'm like, man, you got any more of that bread? So we talk about bread for a second. He says, you know, I know who you are. And I'm like, uh, yeah. He goes, yeah, you're, you're the deer guy. He goes, I listen to your podcast all the time. I'm like, well, but how do you, how did you connect my voice with like, he goes, oh, no, no, I, I know where, I know where you work. I'm like, but I haven't worn a division of wildlife uniform in Walmart for like 10 years. Oh, I, I know. I'm like, okay, that's scary. That's funny. So, Anyway, that's, the word's getting out, funny. guys. I guess the word's getting out. Now, he didn't mention what it, podcast it was, but but the word's getting out. So that's good. That's what we're supposed to do. We'll just we'll just say that it's ours. Yeah, that that's what it really is. Good. Make us make us feel make us feel good. So so Mike, thanks thanks for coming on. So let's uh let's put a bow on the twenty twenty two, I guess twenty twenty three whitetail season here here in Ohio. So do you have your your harvest harvest numbers? Yes, absolutely. in front of you. Yeah. Okay. So, so give us, give us, uh, give us the total, the total numbers, if you would, and then we'll dive into them, what all that means. Yeah. Um, Paul, we were at, uh, right, right at 200, do a little rounding, uh, just for the sake of discussion, 210,000 deer. Um, if anybody had been paying attention before season, we were projecting somewhere in the neighborhood of 208 to 215,000. So, um, not too bad. Uh, and of course I will say that that's, um, uh, that's pretty good considering uh, that hemorrhagic disease situation that I'm sure we, you know, we may talk about. Um, so it likely, very likely could have been higher um, than that uh, because if, if hemorrhagic disease had the impact that um, the confirmations that we had around the state would suggest, and of course the, the calls and letters and emails that we received suggesting that, you know, we should close deer season, um, I guess that speaks to the fact that there probably were more deer before, uh, before hemorrhagic disease took a few. So anyway, a, a 210,000, um, I think, um, uh, Clint broke it down. Of course, this is, uh, it's the first time we've been North of 200,000 for almost a decade. Um, it's the third highest, we recorded the third highest, uh, buck harvest and probably set a, um, most likely a, a record, um, hunter success rate of 40%. So it's, uh, uh, it would have been a tough year to, to, you know, to not, you probably had to go out of your way uh, to, to not kill a deer. Um, I'm sure folks were like, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see that deer. Otherwise I would have shot it. Right. <laughs> so, so it's, um, that, that's where the numbers are. I'll, I'll stop there. Cause I could ramble forever, but I know you guys have probably some specific questions you'd like to get to. So first question I want to ask, 210,000 highest in what, a decade. That's that's impressive. Uh, was that because of hunter participation was up or were license sales and tag sales up? No, I, you know, uh, Paul, it, it doesn't look that way. Um, Clint has not been able to finalize uh, the the, um, the final um, license figures, but 
and, and I will say this, that the lifetime licenses, the three-year licenses, the five-year licenses, that's kind of made things a little bit muddy for us. But but what, what we are trying to look at is unique permit buyers. And Clint's got a, um, a magic formula for, for calculating that. But my guess is um, it has little to do with more hunters and, and a lot to do with more deer. Um, there were a few counties, of course, that changed, uh, 15, 16 counties that changed. But if you recall, uh, three of those, of course, just went from one to two deer. And most of the rest of the counties were Western Ohio counties that don't contribute significantly, you know, to the statewide harvest. So um, we, we can't really ascribe it. Um, you know, there's a small contribution to regulation changes. Um, the other thing I, I think that we, you know, we, we've got to bring into this discussion, at least for, you know, Southeast Ohio, maybe the Eastern part of the state where, where mast is, is an important component. Um, you know, we were dealing with another uh, below average year. Uh, forgive me. I forget whether it was, I think it was white oak, red oak might've been decent, but, but, you know, mast is course, mast of course uh, is something that we need to keep, uh, on the list of things that could potentially have contributed to an increase in the harvest, most definitely. Um, finally, I think it's fair to say, because I witnessed it firsthand on my property this year, I let a young man hunt um, and and watched him shoot a bucket 61 yards with his crossbow. Um, and it was dead, um, literally, on its feet. Um, and so Technology is certainly, I mean, you know, that's coming up. It's not like last year was significantly better than this year, but I think that's, you know, that's certainly contributing to it. And then there's weather. Um, so there's a suite of factors like there is every single year uh, that we have to consider, but I would, I would rule out, you know, regulations as being a, a contributing factor. It's hard to quantify mast. I would just you know, really think that we had in most areas of the state, we started the season with significantly more deer than we did last year. So uh, we were going through the numbers yesterday, and and you guys break it down very nicely on you know the different weapons and all that kind of stuff. Crossbows, as you mentioned, are kind of a, a game changing component of that, and I think they accounted for about thirty four percent of the harvest, uh, according to the email that we had. That and they're also a very touchy subject within the hunting community, across, you know, abroad. Is it safe to say that if we didn't have that as as an uh, tool and the tool belt that we would have had drastically reduced numbers do you think or how how could you can you quantify any of that like if you were if we didn't have crossbows what what that would do to the population yeah that's a great question great question andrew you know that's unfortunately that's a challenge with so many things that you know we're dealing with right uh, today in, in deer management is that we don't have what what we call controls, right? So we didn't have part of the state that we didn't allow crossbows and we didn't have part of the state where we let CWD run rampant, you know, to see what it might look like if we did nothing, if we didn't intervene. So, so the, the, uh, the question, you know, the answer of course is not sure, but here's, here's what I can tell you about that. Um, my, my guess is we'd see two different things would be different in a couple of different ways. We'd see a greater use of, you know, obviously vertical bows would still be a, a big part of this discussion uh, up to the point where, uh, hunters are uh, limited to um, using an employment that requires good shoulders, strong back, you know, those kinds of things. So, so, so there would be, there would be an impact. And my guess is that the, um, when we, when you look at where we're recruiting most of these uh, hunters from, they're coming from the shotgun ranks. So my gut tells me that we would see a bigger deer gun season uh, than we do now, if we did not have the crossbow, um, you know, uh, in this discussion. I mean, that, that's, that's where I think we would see the big increases and that's where, that's where we're, 
you know, the season that obviously you, you look at the numbers, that's the season that seems to be suffering most. It's it's the shotgun season, the firearm season that's that's taking it uh, in the shorts, if you will. Because most of the people that we're recruiting today, there are some new crossbow hunters that, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-olds, even younger than that, that have never hunted before, enter the sport with a crossbow. But by and large, the bulk of them are, if you can't beat them, join them, uh, folks. And so we're pulling guys from the gun season over to the archery season. Um, and I, it's interesting you say that, Andrew, because um, it, it, it seemed as though um, – that that debate had had sort of that dust had settled on that debate. You know, the uh, the conversation had stopped. But I would agree that it, it is picking up a little bit more. And I don't know whether it's the I don't know what's driving that because the technology in, on both sides. And I don't know. It's been a long, 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 long time. Uh, my bow didn't even have wheels. It was they were square back to the last <laughs> bow. That I, um, so I, I don't know. Maybe you guys can speak to that. Whether or not the uh, you know the the uh, technology is is moving crossbows along faster than than um, than vertical bows, but but still, at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, obviously, uh, there there is that component where you got to draw on a deer if you're hunting with a vertical bow. That that you you, know, you certainly have that disadvantage, if if you would call it that, that a, that a crossbow offers you. So, um, they may never be. I think folks would 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 probably most would argue that they'll never be equal. Um, but certainly technology is, is benefiting both. Yeah. Paul and I were talking about it the other day, but like the crossbow really, it, it, it is a, a form in the archery world where it, you know, you can add to the beginning and the end of somebody's career. You know, it's great for a young person. And as you get older and you know, the body parts aren't working as well, it can add to that. So I, I'm completely on board with it. And obviously from a biological management perspective, if it helps to keep the herd in check, uh, not wipe them all out, but just keep it in check where it needs to be. Cause I think we can agree that we have a lot of deer in Ohio. Um, I think it's a very important tool in the, in the tool belt. Yeah. I think if I may real quick guys, it, it the crossbow really, it, it's changed. It, it's so several things are going on. Number one, obviously you mentioned we're getting older. The hunting community is getting older, but the other thing that's going on is that there are deer in places that they were never before. And so you have people hunting, um, the, the crossbow is allowing people to stay in the game because historically it might have been a trip to Southeast Ohio, right? Or it may have been a couple really important uh, middle of the rut bow weekends that you would travel to Southeast Ohio. But now, you know, with, with the crossbow, maybe even to a lesser extent with with uh, with all archery tackle, you can hunt on your lunch break, you know, in a, in a, down the road. Um, you can you can hunt after work. You can hunt before work. So it's there's deer in more places and it's given folks more opportunities and, and perhaps more reasons to stay in the game um, uh, because because that technology is there. Obviously, you get the crossbow tuned up and you're ready to roll for for most of the season with a couple check ins, you know, from time to time. But it's a um, it's a tool that I wouldn't trade, quite honestly. I mean, it, it, it is a it is a deer management tool. If we lose it, I'm sure that we'll make up the difference in you know in the shotgun season, and maybe that wouldn't be a bad thing. But uh, I don't anticipate that we'll lose the crossbow. And and I, I there you know, truth be told, there hasn't been an, uh, not at my level, there hasn't been any discussion whatsoever of of even having a conversation about separate seasons or any monkey fiddling to use that highly sci- scientific term. Uh, with our our archery seasons, um, so I think I think folks can comfortably know that there's not going to be a um, that conversation is not being had again, not at my level at least. Do you? Well, you talk about uh, you know being able to take crossbows in different areas. I, I, I'm assuming we're kind of talking more of the urban um, yep. type of areas. 
How did that pan out this year? Did you guys see any, uh, you know, increased harvest rates from, and maybe we don't have those numbers yet, but, uh, you know, the kind of the, the big three C's, the Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, any of the or big urban areas in general, um, are we starting to get more people in those areas taking advantage? Yeah, and that's a great question. I can speak a little bit to that. We'd, we'd have to wait um, a couple weeks or so. We can break that down and and and, uh, and, and really dive into uh, where those data are coming. From, you know what those what those numbers look like. But the challenge, of course, is that um, you know you don't. If it comes from Cuyahoga County or Franklin County, you can assume you know or, or Hamilton County. You can you can maybe make that assumption, but you don't know for sure. But what we what we do, in other words, it could have been that little sliver of Cuyahoga County, that little sliver of you know of Hamilton County, or whatever these Franklin County. Obviously, still provide some typical deer hunting uh, opportunities. Um, but what I can what I can speak to is the fact that um, we are and Jeff Westerfield uh, out of our, our our Akron office can speak to this a lot better. Is is that we are issuing. Um, a number of uh, municipalities in Northeast Ohio uh, were, con- were issuing controlled hunt status uh, for places like South Euclid and, and many of these other small villages and, and towns up there um, so that folks can um, have a um, additional 60-year in the bag limit. So, so Jeff has done some analyses, and, and I, I wish I had those in front of me, but, but he would argue that it's making – it's making a difference. We're seeing some upticks in the harvest in those areas as a result of, you know, this controlled hunt status. And I think what's what's important for folks to know is that many of these places, you know, if you look at the trend and number, I think he's up to twenty-eight or thirty places that 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 how now have hunting programs. Many of these were added in the last decade. So there's adding a program and putting deer on the ground. Two different things. You guys recognize that, but but I think it it, it speaks to the fact that um, even folks that we're adamantly opposed to that have have addressed discharge ordinances and hunting programs uh, to uh, give folks an opportunity to take deer if they can. Mike, I want to ask about the data that you're collecting. You, you, what data points are you collecting uh, from the deer season? Uh, so obviously harvest data, you know, every mandatory registration. So we're getting, we're getting all of that data. Uh, Paul, the other the other big piece uh, of data that we collect each year, uh, and we'll look at probably somewhere between five and seven percent of of the harvest is is age, sex, and condition data. So that's the information that you, you guys recall the days of check stations. Two thousand ten, of course, would have been the last one. Mandatory registration, in person registration. A handful of those would have had biologists collecting, you know, looking at uh, deer jaws to age, collecting beam diameters on yearling bucks. Um, so that demographic data we collect, um, we're also running, uh, as, as you probably know, you guys likely participate, our bow hunter surveys. Um, you know, that gives us observation data, which is some of the best data that we have to track deer populations. We will uh, borrow some data from ODOT from time to time, look at carcass data, you know, number of carcasses removed from roadways. Uh, the other data set that we will collect, and we're working on it feverishly right now, getting these questions squared away to send out as a is an annual bow hunter sur- or annual deer hunter survey. What did you hunt with? How many days did you hunt? Those kinds of things. What are your opinions on this, that, and the other? Um, I think that's, and of course, then there's obviously the, the CWD surveillance data. That's so. Those are those are probably the big ones. Do you does the state rather collect data about wounding rates for deer? 
from hunters? We, um, Clint actually, um, we did a follow-up uh, to our bow hunter serve to our annual deer hunter survey. Sub, we took a subsample of that group, uh, uh, Paul, and asked them about uh, shot placement, shot distance, deer recovery. Um, be happy to share that with you. But if if I tried to um, uh, uh, share the numbers right now, I'd have to make them up, and we don't want to do that. Um, but but I it, it's a it's actually been a um, uh, a survey that a number of other states have requested. It it probably didn't have all of the rigid sideboards that um, a a um, a scientific a statistically valid survey might, but I, the sample sizes were large enough. Um, and we had enough folks on both bow, you know, the vertical and, and crossbow side. Um, be happy to share that with you guys. It's, it's, it's well-written, uh, nice job uh, by Clint to, uh, to, you know, to summarize the number of average number of shots taken, average distance, uh, number of deer lost, number of deer recovered, those kinds of things. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to see that. I'd love to have a yeah, absolutely a good under a good understanding. I think that's one of the just to touch on it real quick. The crossbow versus vertical bow. That's a lot of the the crossbow. I think takes a lot of that wounding rate down. Just it's easier to operate, right? It doesn't require as much practice. So yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the. I think when you talk about the the kind of emotional side of that conversation that's that's one of the data points i think that's that's important to to understand and bring up so let's uh let's talk about let's unpack the cwd data that you've collected are collecting are analyzing are you are you ready to talk about that you got you got something good yeah i mean well it's um we can we can talk about it uh probably not in excruciating detail but but certainly yeah we're in a position where we could i just actually paul just got um this morning results back from uh, 93 additional deer from uh, from the largely from the DSA, not exclusively from our disease surveillance area there, and and wind out Hardin and Marion counties. But yeah, so I can talk in some general terms because uh, the season's pretty close to being over, and I don't anticipate things changing much. Um, uh, just ballparkish, we were we're going to be knocking on 6,000 samples uh, up from uh, 45, 4,700 roughly uh, last year. Uh, a good chunk of that will probably, um, when, when the dust settles, we'll figure out a lot of that came from mandatory testing in our uh, disease surveillance area. Uh, as you guys know, we more or less double the size of the disease surveillance area um, uh, this year by including, you know, all of Hardin County, all of Marion County. Obviously, those were the those were the big changes there. So we had, uh, I'm sure we picked up a lot more samples as a result of those mandatory testing days there uh, and voluntary as well. Hunters did well with that. Um, the, um, uh, it looks like the other big, you know, the other big news, uh, it looks like we're going to finish the season with seven additional positives uh, in the disease surveillance area. Um, nothing in Hardin County um, and really, mm, really nothing any further West. Now, give or take 100, 200 yards, okay? Um, for, for those folks that are paying particularly close attention, it may have been a property to the left of, you know, to the west of where we had one last year. But um, the, uh, the that's the good news. The, the, uh, the bit of discouraging news is that uh, we did pick up another another sample a good bit south, actually two samples south, and, and one of those um, was a good bit uh, east of... Um, the the uh, the southern sample last year. So to sum that up, because I'm sure that made zero sense, um, 
seven positives this year, guys. Um, and the uh, the good news, not a no westward expansion, you know, towards Hardin County, but we did see um, we picked up a sample um, on the uh, east side of twenty three um, in in Marion, um, and I believe it was in Marion or Wyandotte. I forget. Um, you have to forgive me, but um, so we got a couple east. We got eastward movement uh, looks like um, both both southerly southerly as well as northerly uh, movement. Um, and eastward. how many how many cases do we have last year? Uh, we had nine last year. So in a nutshell, two the first uh, nine last year, seven seven this year. If if year matters, yes. So that's. Gotcha. Did you see any benefit from the additional seasons that you guys had open in the DSA? Both you had the earlier, what did that start? Like February or September 12th or something? Uh, a couple yeah, of weeks the early archery. And then you had an early gun season up there too, right? You have any success yeah, on that? Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. The, the archery harvest was, was insignificant. Um, it was, you know, by and large, it was antlerless deer. Um, not even worth I guess, in my opinion, two minutes of our conversation to talk about that. I, what I want to focus on is is that early uh, firearm season, that either sex, three-day early firearm season. Um, lots of positives, uh, lots of reasons to uh, to uh, stand up and cheer, in my opinion, at least. Um, so roughly 800 deer were harvested uh, in early October as opposed to perhaps not at all, maybe in the gun season. But most importantly, guys, three of those seven, Three of the seven positive deer, two of which were mature bucks, were harvested that that weekend. So we we killed a yearling buck and two mature bucks that were positive for CWD. That um, that's a huge success. Now the the downside, and this is not really even a downside. We we sort of anticipated this uh, would happen when you look at the total harvest um, in, across uh, the three counties, largely unchanged. More specifically, if you look at the Hardin. And Marion County total harvest, okay, all deer dead. Not a not a lot of difference between this year and last year. So what what that means is we simply moved the harvest earlier. We took those deer early, and we didn't we didn't add any additional deer. Wyandotte County different story, but that again that's that's not a bad thing. I mean that would have been icing on the cake to kill additional deer. But think about this: those three positive deer, in particular those mature bucks, uh, no chance whatsoever uh, that they. Um, they were going to shed another prion, not traveling to Crawford County, not over to Seneca County, not down to Logan or Union County, right, uh, in their ventures to breed. Um, so, so, yeah, we just a, that was a tremendous, tremendous success. Very, very happy with that. Um, so I can't I can't say enough good things about that. We'll probably see that again next year. Absolutely. Good. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's talk about EHD, the hemorrhagic. Did I say that right? Yeah. Oh, look at me, Mike, coming for your job. I can pronounce it right <laughs> now. Dang. Uh, so, so let's uh, let's let's talk about that. We got through it last time we talked to you. We were really in kind of the peak of 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 the destruction and the chaos, if you will. How how did how did the deer herd uh, in those those hard hit areas uh, come through that? Well, you know it it. Uh... What an interesting year. Holy mackerel. Um, you know, it's, it, 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 right now it's obviously it's, it's as though we didn't have hemorrhagic disease cause it's, it's been very quiet. Obviously folks are, have, have found all the dead deer they're going to find, but what an interesting year. So, so start out with uh, just, just a little bit of background, 47 counties, we confirmed it. Now, when I say confirmed, that doesn't mean that Andrew called and said, Hey, I got a dead deer. It, it means that 
that Paul called and said, Hey, I got a dead deer. I come out and get it. We take it to the lab. We run a PCR and it says, yeah, there's, there's the hemorrhagic disease virus. <clears throat> so 47 counties, we took deer to the, uh, to the uh, diagnostic lab there in Reynoldsburg. And they said, yep, you have hemorrhagic disease in this county. Now, three of those counties uh, were not wild deer. They were actually um, uh, captive deer in Wayne, Seneca, and Mercer, I believe. So those were, those were deer behind the fence uh, rather than in the wild. But in the past, we've, whenever we confirmed it in, in the wild uh, or in the captive facility, I should say, it's, it's typically always been in the wild as well. We just didn't have the opportunity to get a, a positive wild deer. So 47 counties um, across the state, more than half the counties, uh, I think, in the past 20, maybe uh, 17 uh, may have been tops. So uh, a lot of counties with hemorrhagic disease, and I suppose if the weather stayed warm, we probably would continue, it would have continued because uh, we were seeing, started out south, southwest, okay, started moving eastward, then it started moving northward. Uh, we did end up with some counties uh, up along Lake Erie where we confirmed it, um, but, but given more time and more warm weather, I'm sure that it would continue, it would have continued to spread. But what's interesting, this is where things start to fall apart, is that um, Southwest Ohio, Preble, Butler, Hamilton, Green, a number of counties in that in that part of the state, lots and lots of reports, right? Lots of reports from folks saying, hey, I got two, I got six, I, I found 12. Um, but there were counties, a uh, vast majority of our counties, you know, had a handful of calls. Um, and, and, and maybe that's an understatement, but a handful of deer, right? I mean, I saw one, I got two, those kinds of things. We actually had a number of counties, three or four counties where we confirmed it, never had a single call. Uh, any, any reports at all from the public. So not sure, you know, what to make of that. And then, and then we fast forward. Okay. So, so it, it, it confirmation suggests that we, ha- you know, that, wow, we're going to have a tremendous impact on the harvest. Um, it's everywhere, right? Fast forward to the harvest. Um, you look at, if you break it down by, you know, I, I don't have all of the numbers here in front. I have some of the numbers here in front of me, but if you were to break it down by county, and I don't want to belabor the point, but you take a look at some of the, um, again, you guys know, we've talked about this before, the buck harvest historically has been our best indicator of, of deer herd size, right? So when buck, when the buck harvest drops off, population probably dropped off. Buck harvest increases, population increases. So what we looked at in terms of trying to assess impacts uh, on populations via the harvest was, was obviously the buck harvest data this year. So we can we can look at um, you know some of the uh, hardest hit counties. And I'm going to put I'm going to actually going to I'm going to share this with you so that I. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, this is in a different. It's in a different email. Um, I don't have that in front of me, but I, I can I don't want to take the time to look for look look for it because I I can get us close. But the point that I wanted to make, which is small sample sizes, but you take counties like. Um, Perry and uh, Preble, okay? Those two counties, both of those counties this year saw significant reduction in their buck harvest, suggesting that um, uh, the hemorrhagic disease outbreak, which we know based on reports and uh, calls and confirmations at the lab, um, we had hemorrhagic disease there. So down more than 20%. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, guys, those two counties, Collectively, the analyst harvest in those two counties was up almost 20%. Okay. Um, and and mm. part of that was likely driven by the fact that those two counties also went from two to three deer. 
So is it differential mortality on bucks? Um, is it, uh, you know, how do you kill almost 20% more antlerless deer and 20% fewer bucks? Um, that, that, you know, that, that again speaks to uh, the conundrum that that we were facing that we're facing this year in terms of trying to understand what's going on with hemorrhagic disease. Um, yes, so we know uh, beyond a reasonable doubt when you move the bag limit from two to three, invariably it's it's going to um, even even in a stable population. Let's say this year and last year, same number of deer started the season with the same exact number of deer. I guarantee you, we're going to see an uptick in the harvest just because it changes the way hunters hunt. So we, we shot 10%, 15% fewer deer in, in those two counties, but we managed somehow to, to shoot 20% more animals deer. So what that speaks to, to wrap up that conversation, I guess, guys, is that, uh, and this, this I, I, I kind of alluded to this at the beginning of the conversation, is that we, we killed 210,000 deer. Um, and, and that's after, you know, hemorrhagic disease had its way uh, in many, uh, with deer herds in, in many of our counties. So how many deer did we actually start the season with? You know, obviously we won't know, um, and, and perhaps we'll see some impacts of hemorrhagic disease in, in, in years to come. Um, but interesting year to say the least, Paul. It 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 definitely is. Uh, so, in those really severe, hard hit counties, are will there be any any surveys done uh, just to kind of get a grasp of of how the herd recovered, or are you going just strictly off? the harvest data yeah there's you know really there's there's no plans uh, to do any um surveys um paul we'll, we'll we'll monitor we'll watch the harvest data we'll watch or we'll look closely um one of the things that i mentioned of course was the bow hunter observation that's absolutely the best data because you realize it's not biased by you know hunter selectivity it's just i saw this many deer black and white right so so we'll we have a number of hunters that participate in in so the southwest, there's a pocket of three or four counties in, in east central or southeast Ohio, the Hocking, Benton, to a lesser degree, Athens, uh, maybe Ross thrown in there. There's a handful of counties there. So we we have, and those are great deer hunting counties. So we have lots of participants. We'll take a look and see what the uh, what the Bohunter observation data tell us. But, but you know, the, the truth of the matter is um, recovery is quick. Um, th- this year is, is likely behind us. Um, and, and and responding uh, with with regulation changes, uh, with with a, with a couple exceptions, you know, I, I don't I don't expect there to be much of a reaction on the part of the division of wildlife. Andrew, what else you got? Because I'm going to dive into the funny stuff. If you got anything serious, just hang on a second. So, so looking at next year, I, I kind of an overall um, look at taking what you know from this year. EHD, harvest numbers up, all that kind of stuff. Do you expect anything crazy for next year as far as rules changes? I think you just kind of touched on that. But, um, you know, oh, and I and guess overall, how were you happy as, as a deer biologist for the state? Were you happy with the numbers and how they shook out? Uh, you know, I know I think we've talked in the past, so you'd like to see more, you know, antlerless deer taken and stuff. And this year, well, I just had the number in front of me. You're at 101,000. Um, you're at 48% of them were, well, I should say about 120,000 if you include the button bucks. But, yep. you know, you got a pretty so, good number there. And, and based, 
in the idea of biology and herd management and getting the healthiest herd that we can get, how did 2022, 2023 grade out? Yeah, man, what a, what a great question. Um, we could talk for three days on that subject because it really, and I, and I, in all seriousness, uh, guys, it's, um, you need some sideboards, right? I mean, you ask a great question because you're, you're, it's a question that, you know, what do you think of it? What's good? What's bad? How do you define good? How, what's too many? How, what's too few? You know, what are you shooting for? The, the short answer, guys, is two things. Number one, let me just, before I forget, I'll speak to, because you brought it up, the antlers. That, that's, that's something that, that Clint and I look at, the antlers proportion, not the total. Like, it could be 400,000 antlers deer or 40,000 antlers deer. The, 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 the key is to look at the proportion of that harvest, our total harvest that's antlerless. 60%, I've told you guys before, is that magic number. You know, we like to, it's it, 60% thereabouts. It's, we're looking at a stable herd. Um, anything below 60%, which is where we were this year, we were up, we're at about 57%, up just a little bit from last year. Um, we're going to see herd growth. So, so first off, absolutely, I, there, there's little doubt in my mind that we'll continue to see um, this statewide harvest trending upward, right? Um, but in terms of trying to, so, so that's just one component of it. Um, what are we shooting for? Is it good? Is, is the third highest buck harvest reason to celebrate? Is it reason to, to, uh, uh, to call out the national guard? Neither of those, right? Um, because we don't manage deer, um, that number for Clinton, I, it doesn't mean anything to us. We, we have to break things down to individual counties, the Cuyahogas. Hamiltons, Franklins, Athens, every county in the state is managed as a separate entity, um, you know, for the, for the purposes of you know, the, the outdoor media and, the, and most of our hunting public, that, that statewide numbers, that's good. You know, that just, that gives me some idea what's going on. Um, so, so we have to, we have counties, we, we have to break things down in order to have a real meaningful conversation about this, guys. We have to, we have to take a look at Allen County. And tell you that well, we're you know we've increased the bag limit there because we met our management goal, which was to increase the size of the deer herd. Now we need to stabilize it. So you, you see, there is not this. Um, we could take a regional approach, maybe, but we, but to say yeah, we're happy with this um, would be a, would would be a mistake uh, simply because it would oversimplify the matter at hand. And, I, and I'm not trying to. I know you guys know I'm not trying to dodge it. Uh, this this question because. Um, we know each other well enough, but the, but the short answer that's becoming very long, unfortunately, is that we have to break this down by individual counties to, to talk about how happy or unhappy we were with the season, right? I mean, that, that's, that's how things go because, and, I, and you have to realize to speak to, there, there's, there's also fallout that can be fallout from that because we learned the hard way back in 2007, eight, nine, when we were throwing everything, uh, including the kitchen sink at our deer herd. And at the end of our news releases, harvest summaries, like you'd see, uh, like you have in front of you, you, we'd say, Hey, everybody go out and harvest another deer next year. And if you can't, you know, if you can't use it, donate it. Well, for the folks in Fayette County that thought deer had been extirpated number two things happen, right? They're thinking what planet is this guy on, you know, what rock did he crawl off from under? We, we haven't seen a deer since 1973 here in Fayette County. Right. And, and the, it's, and so it, we lose credibility, but we also make people angry unnecessarily. Like it just, so you start, you, you have to realize that when you make these broad statements about it, it was a great season, 
all of a sudden it wasn't a great season for those guys that didn't see any guys and gals that didn't see any deer. Um, so it's, it's a challenge. Um, and we haven't had the time to say, Hey, we did well in 58 counties and not so well in 30. So I can't really, you know, characterize it any other way than what I've done. So I've got two more things, um, on the business side of stuff. Baiting, uh, I know Ohio is a little bit different of a state compared to some of our, you know, other Midwestern ones where we do allow baiting. Do you guys keep track? I think Paul and I were talking about this the other day, but is there any way for you guys to track if that is helping to increase the harvest numbers? I mean, let's be real. It's going to help, I think. Uh, But to what degree it helps? We have not. Um, there There have been... Some studies over the years, um, and I again, I, I'm happy to share. You guys, if you if you can remember it, because you know, as soon as I hang up, I'm going to forget it. But but I'm going to send you two things. I'm going to send you that bow um, uh, bow hunter survey, um, wounding rates, shot placement, those kinds of things. And then I can also share with you. Um, there have been a couple projects that have done been done over the years. Um, one most recently in Michigan, I think it was from a 2018 or 19 survey where they have they showed. Um, that hunters hunting over bait were more successful um, than those not hunting over bait. Now, this may have been limited to the upper peninsula, you know, where deer were, were scarce. Um, so so it it can be an aid in some situations um, uh, for hunters. So, so to unequivocally, you know, to deny that it helps would be a mistake, right? I mean, there's it, it, like everything, you got to have sideboards, you got to have qualifiers under these conditions, perhaps uh, it may help to increase harvest. Uh, certainly it helps to identify the target, um, but we have never undertaken anything like that, but other states have. Um, and I think the, uh, the data is certainly, is certainly, um, not all one side or the other. That's for sure. And I know baiting just, it's, uh, that's obviously another hot topic, but it can be a, a really good tool to help reduce population and to help harvest numbers go up. But I know there's also concerns with it being, you know, bringing the deer in together and potentially spreading things like CWD. Do you have any comment as far as like how baiting will be used in Ohio in the future? Or I know we kind of, was it, uh, we were talking about the other day, but like, uh, you know, is that going anywhere? You know, um, does it come up in conversation? Yeah. The, the, uh, the, um, baiting is a very hot topic right now. Um, it's probably, you know, the most frequently discussed, uh, matter uh, at, at sports shows and banquets and so on and so forth. You know, what are you going to do about baiting? What are you going to do about baiting? What are you going to do about baiting? Um, and I, I think we all recognize uh, that it's, that's, that's a giant, giant rock um, that, that is, that is going to have to be, if it ever is disassembled, it will, it will take time um, because there's, you know, the reality is guys, there's, uh, a lot of industry tied to that. And, and we, we've got to be mindful of that. You know, there's the biological side and, and there's the other, there's the other debate guys that, that, that I think creeps in when we start having this conversation. Yes, we know that it artificially, and that's the key here, it, uh, baiting, dumping a pile of corn, not, not necessarily a food plot, but someone argued maybe food plots as well, but baiting artificially concentrates deer baiting causes deer to make movements that they otherwise would not. But in terms of concentrating deer, take a drive to Kildare Plains right now and, and look at concentrated deer, right? Naturally, they concentrate around scrapes, around rubs, you know, around their social animals, right? Uh, 
So where they feed regularly, whether it is a, a, a cut cornfield in the wintertime, there is concentration. So if we've got positive year shedding prions, I mean, we know there's studies being done right now in Mississippi and Tennessee that have clearly demonstrated because the technology does now exist that you can extract prions from the soil on a, on a fairly regularly on a, on a routine basis, right? Those assays exist now. So there's prions being recovered from, from historic uh, scrapes, you know, that are used year in and year out. Um, any different than a bait pile? Not really, except that we put that bait pile there. So, so we're contributing to that. So we, you know, we've, and the other thing that we talk about guys and you recognize this is you've got to choose your battles, right? So is, is baiting something that we'd rather get rid of or should we think more about carcass restrictions, right? When you've got CWD on the landscape, is it, and it's endemic, let's say it's established, right? How much damage is it going to do as opposed to thinking about carcass restrictions, moving deer from Wyandotte County to Portage County or Trumbull County or Ashland County, right? Do you, do you address the movement issue or do you address the baiting issue? You address both of those issues and then you're costing yourself some hunters, right? Guaranteed. So it's, it's not as simple as a one dimensional yes or no. I mean, it's, it's, let's, let's put all of these issues on the table, rank them, identify priorities, and then, and then decide where baiting fits in. Um, because it's not black and white. It, it unfortunately, it's not black and white. Um, but but I want to ask you guys a question because I think about this often. What if we what if we magically eliminated all bait piles? And and, and Andrew, you suggested um, that it it does encourage and help harvest. But does it? I wonder if if bait was gone. Let's think about what deer do when there's you know, when those artificial sources of food aren't there. They they will. I mean, it moves deer around, but but I think what it would do is obviously it would take some getting used to. But I I, I wonder if the harvest would be significantly, um, especially the antlerless harvest. The bucks, you know, that might change a little bit. But but think about if we just let deer going back to being deer um, and not putting up, um, you know, these magnets, if you will, on the landscape. Um, I think what are these deer going to do? My initial thought is that it's not the deer that you're going to change; it's the people. And so this year, I, full disclosure, I had two that I shot over, you'd say over bait, um, or in the near vicinity, and then two that I didn't. But how I utilized that property, like I knew in both of the situations where I was going to go sit because I knew that pile was nearby uh, versus the other two where it's like I had to use my woodsmanship and try to find the, the active, you know, the rubs and stuff. So I'm not saying that if you hunt over a bait pile, you're lazy, but there's a different component that would go into it. So I, sure. depending on how the hunter, uh, you know, they might have to act. I don't want to, you know, that sounds so bad. Think about it a little bit more uh, and, and really be mobile and be willing to move their tree stand or whatever, change their ground blind. So that would be my initial thought without really thinking it through completely. Does that make sense? Yeah. Paul, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking over there? I mean, why most people were deer hunting, I'm fall turkey hunting or duck hunting, Mike. So I'm, not the guy to, <laughs> okay. I'm not the guy to ask about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I think, I think it's, it's, and, and what started this conversation, I was at an event. I heard a bunch of people 
uh, you know, saying that the state was going to ban feeders and ban baiting in the state. And then I saw it on on like a like a, a, a chat room, you know, for, for bow hunting here in Ohio. And so I, I asked you if that was going to happen. There's a lot of noise that, that people think the state of Ohio are going to, to outlaw bait like this year. Like yeah. this is this is actively happening. And so that's what that's what generated the the, the the question. I don't I'm not smart enough to know if it would if it would impact harvest. It would definitely make people really, really angry or really, really happy. Yeah. Uh, and and one thing that I didn't really understand until our first interview with you, gosh, almost two years at this point, was the that you have to manage, quite frankly, hunter feelings and emotions as much as as you do wildlife biology and that's that's a dance that i don't think hunters one in the state know and two they definitely they sure as hell don't appreciate the, the effort the mental power and energy that you guys use to to deal with these people they get so worked up i've been at some of the wildlife meetings and i'm like man i i understand passion but there's just a lot there's a lot of some people are just flat out angry about certain things and yeah, yeah you've got a target on your back for a couple like I said, is that is that is that the battle we want to have? You know, yeah. I mean, you've got you got a lot of other things. So, yeah, I'm I'm way too dumb uh, to answer that question. I will say the funny stuff. I'm waiting on a on a message back from from our buddy Kip Adams at the NDA. Oh. He told me he told me to bring up something. This is months ago when we saw him. He's he's he said that that he needs to. Uh, oh, okay. I, need to I, I can't remember. It was something about like a GPS. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Just meltdown catastrophe. What, what, remind me, months. We're supposed to ask about texting. Like, it was at, a, he, yeah, it was at a deer conference or something. Was it North Dakota or South Dakota? Yeah. Something yeah, about it. Dakota's. GPS. Oh, uh, you know what was so classic is Kip was so proud of his GPS. You know, think about this. This is, this is like, um, I can remember the day one of my colleagues showed me his, his cell phone and was showing me some apps, and he was, he was so excited. Now he's long. You guys might even know him, but. Uh, he was he was a, a great guy from Michigan. But anyway, Kip and I, Kip was so excited. He goes, like, talk. He goes, why don't you, we just ride back together uh, to the hotel? We we fly out tomorrow at the same time. And uh, so excited about his GPS. And we drove around that damn hotel till the middle of the night, practically. And, and I'm like, Kip, it's got to be here somewhere. You know, it, it's got to be close. So we finally scrapped the GPS, stopped at a gas station and said, where the heck is the, the the Holiday Inn or whatever it was? We had a we had a blast. We laugh about that all the time because <laughs> he was just so proud of his his GPS you know, that he just got and and we're gonna we're gonna navigate right to this hotel. And by God, we had to we had to do it the old fashioned way. Yeah, we were talking to, for directions, talking to him and Lindsey Thomas down there at the archery yeah. show, and he gave oh. us the rundown of it. So uh, we had to make sure we asked you about that. I had it in my notes yeah, as well. Good guys. Good guys. Okay, good, a lot good, of good, fun good. memories. But last question yeah, I have good, good for, for you, Mike. This is kind of how the how the hell are there any deer left in Coshocton County? These guys are just slaying out there every year, and yeah. is it just like magical habitat or or what? I mean, they just lead the board on everything. Yeah, it's um. So it's funny because I was talking to Art Holden yesterday about this very issue he he was he was speaking you know uh, tusk and homes more of his more of his readership area but guys i i don't know it, you know you it's it's this is where it it, be, it gets really simple it's um in my opinion a couple things going on just the perfect mix of 
habitat, right? I mean, deer need places to fawn. They need places to get out of the weather. They need places to escape. They need, you know, um, hunters, right? Um, but they also need great food, right? I mean, the, and the, um, uh, the, the landscape there is just, it's just perfect. But the other thing I think that's going on there is if we start looking around the state of people that are invested in managing their property for deer, it, it's got to be off the charts there. I mean, they're, so they're, they're supercharging, in my opinion, I think what I told Art, I said, I feel like they're supercharging what's already great habitat by, you know, by doing timber stand improvements and food plots and, 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 and just managing their herd. I mean, it's a, it's a supercharged situation there. And, and, and quite frankly, it's, uh, it's got the, it's got the building blocks or the good bones, if you will, in, in terms of house, you know, uh, lingo, it's got good bones and it, and it's supercharged by the, by what folks are doing up there on top of that. that that's the only thing I can, I can figure. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. So Mike, last thing I did, you know, I, I make fun of, of my inability to kill deer. Uh, I participated in a controlled hunt. It killed Killbuck Marsh this year. One day firearms hunt. Nice. Uh, I killed three deer in eighteen minutes. So, uh, <laughs> I, I did. I yes, three deer in eighteen minutes. I shot a fourth. Couldn't find it. She uh, had had runs. You know, on the other side of the on the mar- it was I don't stupid. know. I can't answer that for it. Like, I have no idea. It was stupid. I'm sitting like four hundred yards from him in a tree, and I'm not seeing anything. And I just hear. Boom. And I text him. I'm like, that, was that you? Because there were some duck hunters nearby. I said, was that you? Yeah. Should I buy another tag? I'm like, yeah, buy another tag. So like three it's, minutes it's later. Five minutes into the first shot. Kaboom. Yeah. I'm like, was that you again? Yeah. Should I buy another tag? I'm like, yeah, buy another. We're five minutes into this day. Fifteen minutes later, I'm texting my wife. I'm like, well, Paul's already got two down. Oh, wait. Boom. That's a third. Like, it was unbelievable. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we know who the Nimrod is, the real the real hunter in the crowd. <laughs> right, right. It <laughs> was a great dumb story. luck. It was dumb luck. It was a great, it really was a great day. Beautiful piece of property there in the wildlife region. Did you get to meet Dennis Sull in the area? We didn't. I talked to him. Dennis I talked to him. Uh, come up. Yeah, a while ago, once I got the award, but yeah, he great, great guy. I talked to the to the folks. I, I also had a uh, two week archery hunt in, in Killdeer Plains. Yeah, uh, met the staff up there. Really, really good. You know, really good group of guys up there. It was neat. I was up there. They were they were releasing pheasants for the youth hunt. Okay, youth small game hunt. Okay, and they let me hold a pheasant. I'm like, this is this is pretty neat. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, it was cool. So if if we have a second, I, I'm curious about yeah. a, a couple things. I, I do want to mention, take advantage of this public service uh, uh, announcement because I think you guys raise a, a great question. Uh, and Paul, you spoke to it earlier. This you know understanding hunter behavior. Now think about this for just a second. Had you not been um, in a situation where you could have purchased additional permits, right? So so what a luxury! Like you're sitting there and oh man. I'm going to buy another permit on my phone. Yeah. So that antlerless permit is only available, uh, you know, up until, up until gun season. So hopefully this was all before gun season. Um. <laughs> no, it was, it was actually, it was, it was right. It was right after. So I had bought the antlerless permits for, uh, for the, for the um, kill deer hunts. And it said like, and this is a little, uh, it was a little confusing. I, I thought I had a book, but I thought I could use it on the, um, Oh, that's uh, fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're fine on controlled hunts. No, absolutely. Okay. But, so my, it my... it disappeared in the app. 
so that that after when when gun season started, that that controlled hunt permit fell off of my app, and I didn't have it. So I had I bought I ended up buying an additional uh, additional tag or additional yeah additional tag either for, sex one for the yeah an either on either sex one but yeah the controlled hunt tag because I had I had another controlled hunt uh, in Clear Clear Fork Metro Park is that what it's called Clear, Clear Fork stuff. or Clear Creek Clear Creek thank you Clear Creek off of thirty three I was there I, I I was there for for one of their three day controlled hunts and in the permit it said that we could use the controlled hunt tags but on that first day of gun season the electronic tags are no longer available right. to check right here so i we like I said we just bought extra you know either sex tags yeah um so, so. i wanted to and then just wanted to finish up with um yeah. to share with you uh, deer observations during your your hunt there did you spend much time up there on the refuge uh bow hunting the killdeer plains refuge I, I did. So I, I went up uh, six times. I shot at two deer. I unfortunately missed both of them. I okay. saw, oh gosh, I saw probably four individual bucks okay. uh, that were up there. And man, ugh, eight does. And okay. they could have been the, the same does. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I saw a ton of deer in the fields. Yeah. Interesting. To, um, I mean, it, they were running across. I mean, there were deer everywhere in that area. Yeah. The, without a doubt, like in, in, that area, like the deer sign that I had to hunt, I'm, I've never seen such well-established deer sign. I mean, it was it was incredible. Right. I mean, that is you talk about a lot of deer in one area. That is, yeah. there was a lot of deer in one area. So, so the, it was uh, a great great time. I had, I had a great two weeks up there. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great place to hunt. Um, but just some perspective, <clears throat> the last couple of controlled hunts that we've had, firearms hunts up there, they've killed two deer each of the two hunts. I mean, oh that, so those deer, those deer have, have moved and they're there, you know, many of them are still there because you can see them standing in fifties and 75s and, and, and packs yeah. of dinner, but they, they figured out that this is not the place to be. I want to be around next year. Yeah. So. That's funny. Yeah. They were, they were there. I just, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't connect. So, yeah. but okay, so Mike, yeah. thank now, thank you, man. Th- thanks so much for your time. Thanks for all the hard work that you do at the state of Ohio and Clint and, and, and everyone on staff there. Uh, we really appreciate the, uh, everything you guys do for us uh, as, yeah. uh, as deer hunters. It's a team effort. Let me tell you, it's a team effort. Yep. yep thanks for a lot, sure. Mike. All right. Thank you. Thank you.